Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. Have you ever got an upgrade? Maybe a rental car, maybe you got moved from economy to first class on an airline's trip. Ever get an upgrade? One of my favorite upgrades was uh, years ago, I was taking a youth group. I was a youth pastor before I became a senior pastor. And we were going to Washington, D.C. for a thing called DCLA. It was an every year, three every th- third year, we'd go to a youth evangelism conference. And I had everything booked, everything taken care of. We show up to this hotel. It was a nice hotel, but it wasn't super nice. And they said, we have no room. And I felt like Mary and Joseph at the end. But we have a sister hotel, and it was an upgrade. So we had half of our bus unloaded because they told the kids, hey, well, I'm getting all the rooms, and you guys checked in. Go ahead and unload. So they loaded it all back up. We drove through Washington, D.C. in about 5 o'clock traffic, and it was awful. We get to this hotel, and it's a gigantic enormous, beautiful hotel filled with granite and upgrades and the whole nine yards. We had granite in the bathrooms, granite in the floor. It was luxurious and it was awesome. So we spent the night there and then we went, loaded everything back up and we headed back downtown to the convention center where our our hotel was within walking distance. But do you ever have an upgrade like that? Now, have you ever had a reverse upgrade? <laughs> I went to, I had a rental one time. I was going to spend the night in Chicago when we were going to, I was going to stay in downtown Chicago for a training and I had, had rented an economy car just above the, the, the cheapest car you could get because I was going to have to park in a parking garage. And they said, Oh, by the way, sir, you have an upgrade. And, and they had this huge, honking Lexus SUV. And I said, I'd love to drive that anywhere else than Chicago and try to park that in a parking garage. I, I mean, I could just see myself pulling in there, and they, they already are, you know, you've been in parking garages where they're, 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 the spaces are super tight. And so you know what they did? They rented me the the worst economy car. In fact, it rode so low to the ground that I felt every bump to Chicago. And not only that, I I, I had a friends and family plan with Billy Pettiford. He was at at oh, what's the name of uh, Enterprise? Thank you, Balcony. I, now I know you're paying attention. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you at Enterprise. And I I crossed this. Railroad track in Locust, on Locust Street in Terre Haute, if you're familiar with the Wabash Valley. And we hit, I hit that and I ripped the whole spoiler underneath the bumper. I had never damaged a rental car in my life and I had to explain that when I got back. Talk about a reverse upgrade, which would be a downgrade. Exactly. So maybe this Christmas you're experiencing a lack of joy 
because of the difficult difficulties and the struggles and the troubles that you're experiencing, the circumstances of life. When your circumstances are difficult, how can you experience the joy of Christmas that we've been singing about? And the real question, if you think about it, is this. Where does the joy come from? Where does joy come from? I think the best place to look is in the Christmas story. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 39. If you have your version Bible or your app, and if you're joining us online, we've got it on the screen for you. And by the way, if you're in your Christmas pajamas, and I'm wearing my ugly, ugliest Christmas sweater that I've ever had in my life. In fact, someone wants to borrow it from me. That's how good it is. Well, for some people, some people, it's ugly. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. Now, the reason why Mary was moving in haste was because she had just found out that her cousin or relative Mary, the wife of Joseph, fiance of Joseph, was going, or I mean, Mary found out that her cousin, elderly cousin, Elizabeth, who was never going to have children, was going to have a baby, and she had to see it with her own eyes. And so she showed up and exalted the Lord. But when you, when you remember Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her showing up to Elizabeth, remember that later in the story, if you fast forward a little bit, it's a little melancholy because here is that newborn baby and they're dedicating it. They're actually doing a purification ritual with two doves and, and they were going to dedicate the baby to the Lord, baby Jesus. But there are two prophets, Simeon and Anna, uh, a holy and righteous woman, who were looking forward to the Messiah. And Simeon prophesies this in Luke chapter 2, verse 35. He says, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And he was talking not specifically, but a time when Jesus would suffer to the point of death on the cross. And so here is this wonderful moment where you're dedicating a baby and at the same time, it's a melancholy moment because of the prophecy concerned. And Mary, we know, according to Scripture, that she pondered all of this in her heart, wondering what it would be like. And if you know any newborn parents, especially firstborn babies, you know how anxious they are. And I'm not making fun of them. Please don't take it like that. But when you have this child and you get no instructions with it, and you're doing your dead level best, and you're trying super hard, and then somebody says something negative or a little iffy or a little sketchy, don't you take that to heart? And Mary would have, and Joseph would have as well. But if we go back in the story and rewind back to when Elizabeth's baby John recognizes Jesus in, in, in Elizabeth's womb, and the baby leaps. And Elizabeth shares with Mary kind of the pro- prophetic utterance about the Messiah. And then Mary responds in Luke 1, verses 46 and 47, to that, that 
exultation. And she says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Their their focus was on the Messiah. And if, if you pay attention in the Christmas story, in Luke 1 and in Matthew 1 and 2, you see what Mary does through her difficult time in this moment. So what does Mary do? She was worshiping God and, and resulting in joy in her spirit. No matter what was coming, she was worshiping God. Now you can experience the joy of Christmas no matter what you're going through by worshiping Jesus, very specifically worshiping him, Jesus, as king. And, and, and that's what I loved about this this communion song that we sang here in second service through the whole Christmas season. And we'll, I assume, next week we're going to sing that too, Dan. We're going to sing, He Will Reign Forevermore. I, I think, man, how appropriate is that? That we're worshiping the king. Because Jesus isn't just a cute idea or a sentimental feeling for once a year. He is the king of the universe who defeated death and sin. And we should never forget what Jesus did in defeating death and sin. Because there's a connection between joy and worship no matter what circumstances occur in our life. And so we see Mary exulting and Mary worshiping and having joy in this uncertain circumstance. And then, if you will, look in Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we're going to see another char- or other characters in the story. The wise men, we don't know how many there were, but notice when, when they show up to Jerusalem, they show up to Jerusalem and they appear before Herod and they seek out the wisest people that were there in Jerusalem, the people that understood the writings, the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders, and they say, where is the Messiah going to be born? And they say, Bethlehem, but they're the only ones that see the light, see the star, and go to Bethlehem at that time. And look at what it says, what Matthew writes. He says, when, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we, we know that these were astrologers. These were pagan magicians. They were very wealthy. They traveled thousands of miles to worship a king. They had no idea other than that they knew they had joy in finding this king. And they worshiped him like any other king, and they presented gifts to him because he was worthy. Isn't it amazing that these pagan kings, these pagan wise men, could figure out something that the religious leaders in Jerusalem couldn't figure out? 
And they were only a few miles away. And they went thousands of miles away and realigned their whole lives to lay down in front of an infant or a toddler and bring him gifts. And then remembering the story the first week as I preached this series, Zechariah. And so we've seen Mary and we see the wise men and the connection between worship and joy. But look at Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 69. And, and, and when, when John was born, John the Baptist was born, and Zechariah could finally speak. This is what he says. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, he worshipped the Lord. Worshipped Jesus as the king whose unending kingdom will resolve your temporary pain and he will reign forever more now when i i talk about worshiping him in our pain in our trouble in our difficulties this kind of worship is what i would call a faith upgrade it's a it's a faith upgrade you have your, your saving faith, but this is an upgrade to that. Now, I would ask you something very personal. Please don't be offended if you're, you're a first-time guest and, and, and you're not used to this. But would you identify the downgrade in your life? What would that downgrade in your life be? Can you think of that? Most of us can think of that in a heartbeat. It's a boss, a work, a career deal. It's a, it's a, a relationship. It's our finances. It's a family relationship. It's a marriage. You can immediately identify it, can't you? And will you choose to worship Jesus in faith and continue praying and believing that he will resolve it today or tomorrow? Last week at the end of our services, it was, it was amazing to me that the Holy Spirit, not that the Holy Spirit doesn't move in every service, but we, we kind of had a healing service going on. And I'm, you know, that's just not where I come from. That's not my comfort zone. But I believe God heals. And, and so I made kind of an offhanded remark that we're not used to having, you know, praying for healing and, and that in our services. And it's, it's totally appropriate. And somebody, as they were leaving out of the church, they said to, said to me, and I didn't know who the lady was, but she said, you know, Chris, every service is a healing service. And I thought, and I said, you are absolutely right. Because when the Holy Spirit is moving and the Word of God is being preached, that ministers and that heals and that moves in every person's spirit if they're receptive to the Lord. And to me, that's amazing what God does today like he did 2,000 years ago. So my question this morning is this. Have you worshipped Jesus lately? Now, we, we sang some really good songs this morning. And a lot of times we sing 
but are we really, our hearts and our minds focused on what we're really doing? And are we worshiping Jesus daily, moment by moment, and practicing his presence? And when we do that, we have to remember this, that Jesus wins in the end. I'm reading through the book of Revelation as part of my reading the Bible through out the year and I'm finishing up in Revelation like I always do about this time of year and it's always a reminder when Jesus shows up in Revelation he's not an infant in a manger he's the king of kings and lord of lords he he is holy and righteous he is brightness and he is coming to take names And he's coming in judgment and in truth and in justice. And it's an amazing image of who Jesus is. And we are reminded, we are reminded in Revelation that we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no comparison. There is no one else like him that has ever existed or who will ever exist. And for some of us, by the way, you need to answer that phone. (laughs) Go ahead and turn it off or go answer it. Okay. And some of us worship him as king. But others of us kind of step back and they, they say, and this is a real question and we need to address this question as, as any other. What if you worship Jesus as king, but it feels like he is not being a good king? Have you ever been there in your life? I've been there. Maybe you're there right now. And I would go back again to the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 2, and let's look at what occurs. In verse 13 of Matthew chapter 2, Now when... They had departed. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Now this is terrible, awful news. And if I were Joseph in that moment, I would be thinking, You're God. You're the God of the universe. You've got it all going on. You could just take them all out in a snap of your fingers. But no, you are waking me up in the middle of the night and saying, and I'm not barely awake, and you're saying, hey, you got to get out of here because they're going to kill your baby. Well, that's a wake-up call, isn't it? Can you imagine the emotions in the middle of that night? But what does Joseph do? And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. He moves his old family in that moment. Now, I'm the type of guy that would have said to the the Lord, can we negotiate this? Can we talk about this? Not Joseph. Look at verse 16 in that chapter. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. 
So can you imagine the cry in Ramah of those parents of those children? How horrific and terrible that would have been. But it happened in the Christmas story. Verse 19, but when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in the dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph has another wake-up call. God tells him to go. But you know what? Joseph doesn't want to go back. Who could blame him? Would you? Absolutely not. But when he had heard that Archelaus, who was worse than Herod, was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. He still went there. So Christian, where in your life are you afraid to go there? Where's that scary place? Where's that place you don't want to talk about? Are you afraid to go there? But you know what God is calling you to do. Joseph was afraid, but he still obeyed. Can you imagine? And that's what he calls you and I to do. God always provides his worshipers with the joy and the strength that you need in that scary moment, in that terrible time where you're afraid to go there. And every one of you and I and everybody that's watching online today, you have a role to play in his story. You were called, you were chosen, you were predestined to serve the Lord. And you have a role to play, and only you can play that role. In 2 Peter 1.3, Peter writes this, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. See, God has called you and he's given you everything you need. Now imagine, fast forward in the story from Bethlehem to Calvary to Golgotha, Mary, the mother of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, seeing her son crucified, bloody and beaten and dying, And in that moment, Mary upgraded her faith at that cross. She upgraded her faith in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you see, Christmas is about the warfare between God and Satan. And in that birth, in that manger, was the beginning of Satan's defeat. The beginning of the defeat of sin and death that had reigned since the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve's fall. And even in his ministry, during his three years of ministry, Jesus said this to his disciples, Take heart, I've overcome the troubles of this world. 
You see, it's not the quantity or the quality of your faith. It is the object of your faith. Is it on Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords? Now, I would call what we see, you know, when people come to the Lord, a saving faith, an economy faith. We, we receive his grace and we come to know him as Lord and Savior, actually Savior more than Lord, because we as Americans, we typically don't like lordship very well. We don't like kings. We overthrow kings. But Jesus is the king. Now, my friends who are Muslim, who come from Saudi Arabia, they understand kings. You don't speak bad about the king in Saudi Arabia, because the king has spies all over Saudi Arabia, and it could affect generations of your family if you tick off the king. They understand what kingship is about. We don't. When we serve the king, he is sovereign, he reigns, and we obey. And when we go through difficulty, we make a choice of whether Jesus is going to be king of our lives. You get to choose to upgrade your ticket to first-class faith. That is a choice you make. You're saved by grace through faith, but you get to upgrade. And first-class faith, let me explain to you, worships Jesus as king even when it looks like Herod is going to win, even when it looks like sin and brokenness and death and disease is going to win. We get to choose to have first-class faith. And my invitation for you today is that if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, to join us by believing in him, to placing your faith and your trust in the lordship of Jesus Christ and receiving his grace and being immersed into him in Christian baptism under the water that God washes your sin away. Now, for all of you who already believe in Jesus, would you join me in first class and upgrade your ticket of faith in your trial, in your tribulation, in your trouble? Would you upgrade your ticket? Now, I want to remind you in Hebrews chapter 11, the, the, the chapter of faith And it talks about Abraham, it talks about Moses, it talks about the greats of the faith who had promises, who believed, and yet still did not receive the answer to their promise. Abraham never saw the promised land. He was promised a lineage that would be beyond the sand of the sea or the stars of the sky. Moses was promised the promised land. He would see the promised land, but he would never enter that. But yet they believe that God rewarded faith and God will reward your faith if you will upgrade it. God rewards faith every time. And that is how we have joy. So how do you worship Jesus as your king? How do you worship him? Let me give you three ways. First, you believe his promises. You've got to know his promises to believe his promises, though. Do you know his promises? And one of its simple promises is this, is Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Do you believe that? Not thing, all things are good, but all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You are called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? Have you upgraded your faith? Second, align your schedule 
with what Jesus is doing in the world. I still, every time I read the Christmas story, I think these wise men saw the light, they saw the star, they were overjoyed, they, they, they rode thousands of miles, walked thousands of miles to get to Jesus to bow down and give him gifts. It's amazing. They set aside their entire life to pursue the light and this Messiah. Do we do that? Set aside our entire lives to pursue the light and the light of the Messiah? We can by engaging in worship every Sunday, whether online or in person. It's, online is nothing like being in person. I would encourage you to do that. And if you want to grow, the, the way to grow is to join a life group, to join an adult Bible fellowship class, to get involved and to serve. We're going to start, kick off some things in January. And we're looking for some life group leaders to align themselves with, God, with what God's calling them to do. And third, Open your treasure chest. The wise men gave of what they had of their best to the king. We're called to do that as well. You see, to overcome the trials, the tribulations, the troubles, the difficulties, the problems in our life, we place our hope in a better future because we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would you please stand and pray with me? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful for this time. And Father, we are so grateful that you, through your Son, Jesus Christ, will reign forever and ever. And Father, we just pray that we can worship you in heart and mind and soul and spirit, in word and deed and in action, in obedience to you, that we would find the joy in Christmas no matter what circumstance of life that we are in. And Father, as we deal with disease and death and sin and brokenness and mental illness and continual uh, struggles with life and death in this life, Father, we pray that we might worship you through it. That, Father, that you will give us grace and the ability to have not only a saving faith, but a first-class faith that others might see the answer that you are through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Father, we just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.